of the community producer and do not reflect Malden Access Television, the City of Malden, or your cable provider. MATV welcomes your comments. Call us at 781-321-6400 or email us at access at matv.org. Hello, Malden. Welcome to another edition of 02148 Live from Studio B. I'm your host, Jerry Leone, and what a treat we have tonight. Malden's own Joey Voices. Joey, thank you. Thank you, Jerry, for having me, really. What can I say? Uh, you're looking good. Have you been sick? <laughs> hey, I got no respect. <laughs> oh, see? People in for it. Hey, I got a story about that saying, who, who invented that saying. A lot of people watching will remember Roy Burns from Roy Burns Movers who ended up selling it to uh, Bell Rock Movers. Roy Burns was my dad's best friend. Roy Burns uh, f uh, started Roy Burns, movies, Roy Burns Movies years ago, ran it for a long time, sold it to Bell Rock Movers, but he bought a, a parcel of land on the corner of Florence Street and Main Street where uh, Boston Beauty Academy, is that what it's New called? England, New, New England, England Hair yeah. Academy, okay. And so now it's an apartment building with a big parking lot. Roy Burns owned that. He bought that for a song way back in, in the day. And he turned around, he sold it to whoever built the apartments. I don't know if it was uh, uh, Brennan or I forget who, who it was, but whoever he sold it to, he was oh, well over a million dollars that he got. And uh, you know, he, was, he was set for life. And that was back in the early 80s, you know, when that happened. So, And every Christmas, he would give his kids $10,000 for Christmas. And I remember he came to my brother Brian's wedding out in California in 1991, and he and he gave my he gave him ten thousand dollars. He was my dad's best friend, like I told you. He gave my brother Brian a ten thousand dollar check. My brother went, Roy. He goes, Ah, don't worry, buddy. He goes, Just raise your family and take care of your family. Roy Burns was also the guy that started the beautification process of the city of Malden. Now, Gary Christensen, the mayor, will remember this because Gary is is a plethora of useless information. <laughs> okay, I love Gary. <laughs> but he'll tell you, he remembers everything, that kid. So Roy Burns would go around and he would, he would fix up all of the uh, islands and put flowers. And, and Roy started the spray paint of the fire hydrants, and he would put spray spray paint them like dogs and all the different things. And so Ray Burns was, uh, uh, he did a lot of memorable things. He loved Malden. He was an old school Malden guy. And, uh, you know, God bless his, his son, Mickey Burns, was a captain in the Malden Fire Department for a long time. Great family. And uh, he started that saying. And I'll never forget the day he said it, I fell over. It was in my dad's office, Attorney Thomas P. Noon, for those who remember my dad. Uh, back in the, the 80s, and Danny Vellucci came walking in, and Danny was a friend of mine. Dad, I love Danny. And Dan, and his family is a great family. But Danny come walking in, and he goes, hey, Roy, how you doing? He goes, how you doing? He says, you look good. You've been sick? <laughs> I fell over laughing. <laughs> and that was when that, coin, that phrase was coined. Well, and that's been passed on ever since. Well, for the people who are tuning in who don't know you, if you want to 
give them a brief history of yourself? Sure. I've, um, my name is my stage name is Joey Voices, and I've been on WRKO since 2005. And uh, my uh, the, the the biggest blessing to me was when I stepped out in faith and I I went up to um, the Angelica's restaurant in on 114 in Middleton and I had a DVD made of a show that I did. It was in 04 over at the Regent Theater in Arlington. And I, I walked into the um, uh, Angelica's restaurant on 114 in Middleton. I had an American flag tie on, a blue shirt, and, and, a, and a suit coat. And I walked in, and the general manager was an Italian guy, and he thought I was Italian. I let him, I let him believe that I was because I just didn't want it to not like me. <laughs> he goes, hey, Paisan. I go, how are you? He says, my name is Paul Del Vecchio. I go, Paul, how you doing? He says, I'm doing good. He says, what can I do for you? He's smoking a cigar, right? He's the general manager smoking a cigar. <laughs> it's the funniest thing I ever saw. <laughs> I said, I go, um, well, my name is Joey Voices. I says, and I'm an entertainer. I says, I'm one of a handful of guys in the country that do musical singing impressions. I says, and, and I'm looking to bring my show and, and branch out and kind of find a home for it and, you know, sell tickets. And he says, you know, and he liked me. And he says, come on into my office. So we went to his office and he says, I want to hire you. He says, you know, we advertise with a guy named Pat Whitley on WRKO. And I, I had heard of Pat Whitley, the Pat Whitley restaurant show. I didn't know who he was, but I had heard of him. He says, I want to introduce you to Pat and I want Pat to interview you. So Pat interviewed me. We booked the show at Angelica's. Pat interviewed me. And from the audience Pat Whitley had, we sold that show out in two weeks. And he holds about 330 people in that room. And so that shows you the power that a show like Pat Whitley has, which is now the Wicked Bites TV show on Nesson and still on WRKL. And that was the best thing that ever happened to me because Pat Whitley loved me. And he took me under his wing like a son. And his son, Scott, who now runs full-blown the Wicked Bites TV show, is like a brother to me. I love him. And he took me under his wing. And, and uh, we've been partners ever since. And it's been, what, 13 years now, I think. Uh, this fall will be 13 years in October was the first show we did in 05. And uh, if it wasn't for a guy like Pat Whitley, I wouldn't have uh, got the, the, the notoriety that I've gotten in New England. And... I'm grateful for that because I had an opportunity to go out to Las Vegas and I turned it down because number one, I wasn't really crazy about the contract. There were things in the contract that I, I could have lived with, but I just said, you know what? They wanted me to do all the work and they wanted to, you know, make all the money. So I crossed out what I didn't like. There was a couple of things I could have lived with. I said, and I crossed those out too and I sent them back. <laughs> I never heard back from the agent, but I really wanted to go back to seminary Theological seminary anyways, because I, because I had quit previously, and, and, and I had a regret deep in my soul, and I wanted to kind of see it through and go back and finish it, and my brother David wanted to go, and, and, and so we went back together, and he did eight years, now he's an ordained minister, and I did seven years, I got my bachelor's and master's degree, and I don't regret it, but I never got the break that I got, the Vegas-style break, but the local break that I got was from Pat Whitley, and I'll always remember that. And uh, I'm grateful for that. And, and I, don't, I don't count out that huge national um, break that, you know, could have come had I gone out to Vegas and uprooted my life. Um, but, you know, it's, you never regret doing things for God because God will always bless you. But a lot of times that blessing doesn't come until later on when the timing is right. And like the bamboo tree, right, it grows five years underground and then it breaks the surface after five years. And, and then in six weeks... It grows 90 feet tall, so I guess the question is, did the bamboo 
tree grow 90 feet tall in six weeks or did it grow 90 feet tall in five years and six weeks? So, you know, you just got to be patient. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for how I started out. And I'm grateful for the process looking back, how my career has gone so far. And I have the knowledge of, that, I, that I've gained through theology. And, and as a result of that, I study quantum physics, quantum entanglement, quantum spin, uh, law of attraction. And I've studied a lot of that over the last three years. And um, I've learned a lot. And I write books now. You know, well, well, speaking of books, you, you, yeah. you have a book coming out soon. I do, yeah. My, right. my, my first book, and I'm, I'm so proud of it. And uh, you know who helped me with the book is uh, Paul Solano, Paul Malden's own Paul Solano, who's the uh, general manager of the uh, Pearl Street Station up the street. Yeah. Paul's a very good friend of mine, and Paul's one of the most reputable guys I've ever met in my life, and I love him dearly. And Paul has been right there to kind of, we would meet, we haven't met every Monday in a while, but we used to meet every Monday, but with family obligations on his part and on my part, it hasn't been so uh, you know easy lately. But we're going to pick that back up. But Paul's a wonderful guy, and uh, Paul's going to be in my wedding, by the way. And uh, yeah, I, I love Paul. But Paul um, has helped me with guidance and his wisdom over over the years. Uh, just kind of you know being on the scene and being in the in the public eye himself, and and working with people, just picking his brain. He's a real smart guy. Anybody who knows Paul Solano from Malden, you know that Paul's a very intelligent man. And, 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 and when you sit with Paul and you talk to him, he'll throw things at you that are just like, wow, I never, I thought I was smart until I met someone like Paul, you know? And he throw things at, he'll throw things at you that, you know, will help you to kind of, brainstorming is the best thing, just in a nutshell. Brainstorming is the best thing you can do, even if it's with two people, you know, but if you got more than, you know, that's, that's a wonderful thing. But my book is, uh, it's going to be great. It's coming out. It's called Good Things Are Supposed to Happen to You. And every time I go out and I talk to people about my book, they always ask me, yeah, that's a good good title. And it gets them to think, good things are supposed to happen to me. And I say, do you see how you forgot about that for a little while? They say, yeah. And I go, well, why do you think that is? He says, because I watch too much news. And that's the number one consensus I get from people. They watch the news too much. Too much social media, too much news. It's all bad. And it's propaganda. And the reality is we have tangible bodies, physical, tangible bodies to enjoy life in a tangible way. Now, we're spirit beings, first and foremost, having a physical human experience. And so now that stands to reason that whoever created us, our maker, has to be good, number one. He has to be perfect, unlike us, because we're not perfect. How do I know that? Well, because if we were hanging off a cliff, we'd be calling out to a, a, a perfect God <laughs> to help us. You see, so that, that, that tells us that there has to be a, a perfect God that created us and put us here for a reason. And then, so there's hope there, right? And so I always say that hope tiptoes through the fire, hoping to not get burned. Faith leaps over it, right? So you got to have faith. Faith is very powerful. But, um, you know, my, my book is a, a, a really good message about recalling yourself back to basics to take back control of your thinking mind by reprogramming your subconscious mind. Well, how do we do that, you might ask? Well, from youth, we are all products of other people's thoughts and ideas from youth. And I know that because, well, I'm a Christian. Well, my parents were Christians. So that, that's why I'm a Christian. Uh, you know, I know that it's wrong to do things, but it's very strongly 
of innately deep inside of me the desire to do right, even though I had a mischievous spirit, I always believed in doing right. And although when I was younger growing up, I, I never always did right, I always believed in doing it, I always felt regret when I didn't. But that's because my parents instilled that in me and they reinforced it. See, they reinforced what was already in me from, from, from the womb. And so what encourages me about this is that because my subconscious mind was programmed by my parents and the people around me, my brothers and sisters, it was, there was eight of us, and we were all different uh, personalities, and, but we all came from the same source, and we were very competitive, and, and that's probably why I'm the smorgasbord of eccentricity that I am. <laughs> but the encouraging thing is because I was uh, programmed, I can be reprogrammed. And that encouraged me. When I learned that principle, that 90% of my gray matter is malleable, I realized that with repetitive, positive affirmations, I can retrain my mind to believe what I want it to believe. It takes time because some people have real deep-seated beliefs about life and about, uh, you know, uh, about themselves, the world, and their place in the world. And that's very powerful because that's really what we're made up of. It comes down to who you see yourself as in this world and your place in the world. Now, people attract the same type of person that they are into their life. How do I know that's true? Well, just look around you. Look at the most miserable person in your life that, that you know, not in your life, but that you know. And look at their friends. Look at their friends, the people that continuously come around them. Positive people don't want to be around miserable people. But miserable people will wallow in the mire of other misery. And so like energy attracts like energy, and that's the law of attraction. My book goes deeper into what the law of attraction is not, but I won't go into that here tonight because it's a deeper subject for another day. But the book is very powerful, and it's very deep, but you'll be transformed when you read my book. You will be. I promise you that because I'm going to tell you something. When I learned the knowledge that I learned, I said I have to write this book because it transformed me. Now, I joke around a lot and I tell my friends, I go, I'm a lunatic. In fact, my nickname growing up was Joey Lunatic. But I've changed a lot and I've grown a lot. And all my friends and family and people around me that love me and know me will tell you that. He has grown up a lot. <laughs> he's still the same, you know, uh, you know cookie-breaking uh, Joey that he's always been. But, but he has changed a lot and he's become the man and person that he's always wanted to be. And slowly but surely they're seeing me become that person as I move forward and inch forward in the space-time continuum. So it's, it's a, the book is great. It's called Good Things Are Supposed to Happen to You. And if you have a thinking mind and you want to learn how to break out of the monotony of the negative thinking that, that you might have in your life, get my book. You're going to love it. I'm going to price it so that it's feasible for everybody. But it's not about really about – you don't really make your money on, on the book sales anyway in this world. It's, it's really on your speaking gigs that you get and, and going out and talking and inspiring people. And so I want to make my book, you know, uh, on, you know, within the price range that's affordable for everybody. And so it's, it's going to be coming out this year and I've been waiting for the right pro, uh, uh, publisher to come along and, and then something's in the works right now for possibly 
another radio show on, on a Christian radio station, which I didn't expect, but I put it out there that I wanted to go out and, and market my book to uh, uh, Christian radio stations across the country. And, and uh, just yesterday, I got a phone call to come in and be a guest on somebody's radio show. And, and that's the, the, the radio station that, that owns the radio uh, that, that uh, puts his radio show on is a Christian radio station. And, they, and they, I guess they love me. He says, they love you. They want to they wanna meet you again. And they, they, we're, we're, so it's slowly but surely we'll see where it goes. And hopefully it's going to lead to something wonderful. And, and uh, you know, that can only uh, make me a better Christian. And, and uh, I'm like a wild mulberry bush. You know, I got to be trimmed back every week. It's like you got to come out there with the hedges and cut cut off the wild branches. And but you know, the main uh, root of the bushes, it's a good bush. You know. <laughs> well, speaking of influences, uh, an influence in your life growing up it was your father. Yeah, who was a, a true legend in Malden. If you want to speak about your your father, my dad was attorney Thomas P. Noon out of Maplewood Square. My dad. Uh, came over to Malden from South Boston in 1943. Uh, his dad uh, was from Charlestown originally, and his mom, my grandmother, was from South Boston, East 4th Street. And so I come from the Irish towns. My family comes both sides of my family from the from the Irish towns of, of uh, Boston, and I'm very proud of that. And there was a lot of other Irish towns back then now. And back in my grandparents' day, Dorchester and Hyde Park, and, and you know those were all Irish towns. It was all Irish back then. But, you know, Southie and Charlestown is where my family is from. And, and my dad uh, came to Malden when he was six years old in 1943, and he always told me the story. He says, I came to Maplewood. He goes, and uh, I went out on my bike the first day. He says, and I, I, I ran into a kid named uh, Inky Enright. He says, and uh, we had a fist fight. He says, and uh, he says, we became best friends after that. He says, he went on to, you know, uh, uh, cut the grass at McDonald's Stadium. He forged a great career for the city of Malden. And he says, and I went on to become a lawyer and a cop and a lawyer. And, and we went different directions. He says, but we were best friends our whole lives, you know. And, uh, but my dad was a wonderful Maplewood guy his whole life. And uh, when I was two, we moved to the West End, Glenwood Street, corner of Hawthorne Street, where uh, uh, Judge Eddie Busher was my neighbor. And then... Uh, Joe Crokin, the, the, the clerk of Malden Courts, bought his house, and Joe was my neighbor for uh, 38 years, and, and uh, they're, they're like family to me, the Crokins. But it's uh, but my family will always be Maplewood because my dad was a community guy. My dad started uh, Bennett Insurance. That was his mom's maiden name, Bennett, and then he turned it to Thomas P. Noon Insurance, and he bought he he got the real estate on the corner of Maplewood and uh, uh, Salem Street. And that was his office for 30 years. And he had Thomas P. Noon Insurance Agency, Thomas P. Noon Real Estate Agency. Uh, uh, he was a notary public uh, travel agency, Thomas P. Noon Travel Agency. Did I say that already? Travel no, agency? Yeah. Okay. And he was Thomas P. Noon Attorney at Law. And most of his clients as a lawyer were his clients in the travel and insurance agency. He had so many people that insured with him and he took good care of them. My sister Donna ran that business for 30 years. And I love my sister Donna. My sister Donna's like a second mother to me. And if she's watching, I, I want you to know I love you, Donna. Donna takes care of my mother like my dad used to take care of my mother. And uh, Donna's like the, the glue of the family, like my dad was. And, uh, but you know, my father, uh, I'm going to just tell you a little bit about my dad. My father, whenever somebody would come in 
and they didn't have a lot of money and they needed representation as a lawyer. And, and I'm sure anybody out there that's watching that has ever used my dad's lawyer will testify to this. He would say, how much do you got? I said, well, I got 500 bucks. Give me the $500. They give him $500. What about the rest? Don't worry about the rest. We got to get you out of trouble first. Don't worry about the rest. And he never chased them down for it. He said, just take care of your family. My dad had a lot of clients that loved him, and they referred so many people to him. And he was never at a loss for work as a lawyer. Even though we didn't charge a million dollars, and he could have because he was a, a fantastic trial lawyer. And juries loved him. He loved the theatrics of being a lawyer. He was never at a loss for clients because of how he treated people. He really took his oath to heart as a lawyer to, to defend those who couldn't defend themselves or didn't have the money to defend themselves. Now, my Uncle Paul, my dad's brother, Paul Noon, he was the public defender in the Peabody Court for 25 years. And he was a public defender. My father said, I don't have to be a public defender. He said, I can at least make a little bit of money. He says, I can, yeah. you know, he's somebody trial lawyer. He goes, and I'll just help people where I, where I can help them financially. But I'm not going to be a public defender. He says, I'm going to do this because most of my clients are going to come from my insurance agency, from my neighborhood, from my town, my city. He was a true city community guy. And I'm very, very proud that he was my dad. And I told my fiance, Colleen, uh, Bob McCarthy's niece, Colleen uh, Feely. I said, Colleen, I says, my niece, Ashlyn Fitzpatrick, I went to her awards night at Malden High School just uh, last month. And she won like seven scholarships for basketball and, and for softball and for her academics. Were f her academics were impeccable. And I never knew that they had an awards night like that because I was, I never got called to, you know, with <laughs> anything like that when I was in school. Uh, maybe they didn't have it when I was in school. I don't know. But I said to Colleen, I says, you know, I says, my father would be a great guy to have a scholarship for. She goes, you should do that. So I want to start, and I'm going to announce it right here, the Thomas P. Noon uh, Community, Community Guy Scholarship. I don't know if I'm going to call it that exactly, but because he was such a community guy and, and he helped so many people in his hometown and he was so proud to live in Malden, it was his town. And Maplewood Square was his town. I mean, his, his area, his neighborhood. Uh, I want to start that scholarship. And so we're going to get the ball rolling on that, get the paperwork rolling on that. And, and uh, hopefully by next year, uh, we're going to have that up and running and, and I'll be the one presenting that on behalf of my dad's memory. So... My dad was a great guy, and I know a lot of people in Malden can say that about their own parents. In fact, my, my niece Ashlyn won the Arthur P. Boyle Scholarship Award, the prestigious Arthur P. Boyle Senior Scholarship Award. Uh, Arthur wow. P. Boyle was one of the greatest guys that ever came out of the city of Malden. He was a wonderful guy. And his son Arthur lives down in Pembroke. He's a good friend of mine. His son David Boyle is a very good friend of mine. And Arthur Boyle Jr.'s daughter Mandy... Amanda is best friends with my niece, Carrie, my sister Donna's daughter. So, yeah, you know, the, the, it's a small world, and, and, and it's, you know, everybody's related to someone, I guess, right? And your father, you, you told me before many times that uh, ran for mayor, if people don't remember that. Yeah, he, he had, had these. story about Well, that. I mean, I, I always joke around. I says, you know, my, my, my last name, my name is, my stage name is Joey Voices, but my, my, my uh, real last name is Noon, Joey Noon. And uh, it's spelled kind of funny. It's spelled N O. O-N-E, no one. And, and you know, some people laugh. I go, I got into a lot of fights growing up over that name. You know, it's like, ain't no one, ain't nothing. 
and I joke around about it, but it's, uh, you know, I, I just recently learned how to say my last name in Chinese, Jerry. Malton's a great ethnic town for Chinese. It's a multicultural town, but this is a great, great one. I learned how to recently say my last name in Chinese. I want you to repeat after me. Lan. Lan. Chow. Chow. Wa. Wa. Lan Chow. Oh. Ah, you got it. Hey. He don't care. Lunch hour, noon, lunch hour. No. But uh, my father, when he ran for mayor of Malden back in 1995, he had these bumper stickers made up that said, no one for mayor. And I always thought that was a joke because no one voted for him. <laughs> no. But Richie Howard, for the time that he got elected, and Richie's always been a gentleman to me and always been good to my family. And, and, and uh, he, now Richie Howard is uh, uh, a Killian. So, you know, Kevin Killian, Kevin Killian is one of the most reputable police officers Mom never had. And, you know, so the Killian family is a great family. And uh, God rest their mom who uh, recently passed away. But uh, Richie Howard was, was a good guy. And, and, and a lot of people didn't like him. And, you know, look, I, I don't know the details of why they didn't. I wasn't a city employee. But all I can speak to is that he was good to my family, he was good to me, and every time I see him, he's a gentleman to me. And I'll tell you something else. I couldn't imagine how hard the, being the mayor of a town must be because every decision you make for one thing, you're going to tick someone else off on the other side. So there's nothing you can really do. It. I, mean, I guess at some point you've got to balance a budget the best way you know how, and people are going to be upset with you over it. I mean, it's, But I don't know the details of... His his tenure, but from what I understand, uh, you know he was he was a good mayor. But from what I understand, also, and no offense to Mayor Howard, the two greatest mayors Malden's ever had was Mayor Jim Conway and Mayor Gary Christensen. And Gary Christensen is my good friend, and I love him very much. And listen to me, I'm a middle of the road of independent. I'm an unenrolled independent. A lot of people think I'm a conservative because I, I voted for Donald Trump and I was a Trump supporter. But the reason I voted for Trump was because he wasn't a politician beholden to any special interests. And I loved that about him because I figured if there's anybody who's going to have a chance to be able to deliver on his promises, it'd be a guy like that. And so I supported him for that reason. Personally, you know, he's as an entertainer, I suppose he's a little, I shouldn't say a little crass, but he's said things and done things that have been just off the charts where the average mainstream American would just look and blush. <laughs> but he's not your average mainstream American. I mean, he's, he's in the limelight every second of every day, and it's for good reason. I mean, he's made, he's a self-made guy. And because his dad was the guy that helped him get there, he had the personality to make himself. So there's something to be said for, you know, what he's made of himself. And I don't think he's doing anything to hurt the American economy. Which brings me to social ideals. I think we're falling apart as a country. When I say morally, I don't mean to, to tell people what to morally believe. When I say morally, what I mean is we're falling apart as a nation idealistically because ide ideals are morals, what you, what you believe. and you, Your convictions are your morals, which are, which are different than your preferences. Okay, Your morals, your convictions are something you're willing to die for. Preference is something you can take or leave. Well, we are falling apart as a nation because idealistically we're so at odds with each other. But my point is if the economy goes bankrupt, well, go to your social ideals because there's not going to be any money to pay for 
everything you want the government to pay for. And so you, you're better off being at least a, a fiscal moderate, at least. And so therefore, there'll be some money, you'll be, you'll be able to balance the budget and the economy, and you'll be able to pay for the, uh, the, the social programs that we need, like you know, money and funding for the elderly, for the disabled, for the veterans, for the you know, welfare. And there, there are social programs that we have to fund, we have to. And so that's why I'm not a registered Republican. I'm a conservative thinker because I'm a Christian. But I'm a right of center, not far right. The far right won't budge. They won't budge. And the far left won't budge. I think we need more middle of the road thinking people who have social ideals to the left and right. And it's okay to have those social ideals. I have no problem with that. But you gotta think about the economy first. Because if the economy goes bankrupt, we're all doomed. And that's where I stand politically. Well, speaking about politics, any opinion on Malden? I mean, you grew up here your whole life. I love any, my hometown. Any, with these big issues, you know, we have people keep talking about marijuana or, or apartments. Well, you know, the association sang a, a great song about marijuana. Then along comes Mary. <laughs> I guess I'm dating myself. <laughs> no, uh, I don't touch the stuff myself, but, you know, when someone's smoking it, I actually like the smell of it, but, you know, it doesn't affect me. But uh, I, I don't. You know, look, I'll tell you something. I think any drug that's going to slow down your motor skills isn't good for you. That's my take on it. Whether it be alcohol or marijuana or any drug, that's going to slow down your motor skills. Uh, you know, it, it, or that's going to affect your behavior. And so I'm not going to judge anybody for doing what they do because, look, I'm a libertarian. I believe that as long as you aren't hurting other people, you have a right to live the way you want to live. Nobody has a right to come into your house or your bedroom and legislate your morality. You know, that's between you and God. And just as long as you're not hurting people, you know, I believe in libertarianism. I, I, look, we, we left England to come here. And remember something. A, a lot of people, I, I'm, I'm not a Catholic, but, you know, I got a lot of Catholic friends. And there's a, a lot of good people within the Christian Family, whether you know whether it be you know uh, Protestant, you know Protestant, which was made up of like you know uh, Baptists and Methodists and non-denominationalists, and then you have the Catholics. It's all made up of one thing. But freedom of conscience came from Protestantism, and I want people to remember that. I'm not saying anything against Catholicism at all, because there's a lot of good people that are Roman Catholic, and I grew up in a Roman Catholic family. And, but I'm a non-denominational Christian. I don't even consider myself Protestant. I'm just looking at it objectively and I'm saying, our freedom comes from God, not from our church or our pastor. Or Our freedom comes from him. And that means all people of all faiths, you have a right to believe what you want to believe as long as you're not going anywhere to hurt anybody or you're not planning to hurt anybody. We, that's why Malden's such a great town because we're, we're the most multicultural city in Massachusetts. And Kevin Mollis, and I, and I said this from the beginning, I go, when they had that Maplewood gang and, and they had, you know, a lot, there was a lot of crime going on about 10 years ago, well, within the last 10 years. And, and when I heard that uh, 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 Chief Coy was retiring and, and not anything against Chief Coy, I thought he was a great chief. He's, he's my friend. I love Chief Coy. But I said, Kevin Wallace is such a stickler and, he, and he's such a tough guy. 
And he's not a, a tough guy. On the, like He don't act like a tough guy. But God help the guy that ever wants to mess with a guy like Kevin Morris. I mean, that guy's tougher than woodpecker lips. And I mean it. I'm telling you. He don't act it. And he, he, he doesn't have to prove anything. But I'm going to tell you something. I used to work out at Super Fitness, and I would see him down in the gym doing sit-ups and pull-ups. And he's older than me. I, I think Kevin's about – I think he's a, I think he's in his mid-50s. I'm 46. I think he's in his – I think Kevin might be about 58. He looks about 50. He looks just about 10 years younger than he is. And the guy, if he ever took his shirt off, you'd be, you'd be absolutely mesmerized. He's ripped. But he's got to be. A guy like that – has to keep himself in, in, in pristine physical shape because of the position he holds as the chief of this town. And Malden is the center of the universe when it comes to the North Shore because we're surrounded by so many towns. And everywhere I go, people always say, you from Malden? I go, and they always, hey, you know so-and-so? I go, yeah. She's like, Malden's the center of the universe. And so Kevin Moore's cleaned up this town from the crime that was going on when it was going on. And I said it to Colleen. I said, Kevin Moore's is... is, is probably as, as it stands right now and with, with the crime and everything going on in the fast-paced society we live in, he's the greatest chief Mons ever had so far. I, you know, I can't speak for the future. I'm sure he's going to live that, live up to that. But you got the, the greatest thus far right now, besides Jimmy Conway, Gary Christensen is the greatest mayor. And you got that tandem with Chief Mollis and you got a lot of people in the fire department, like uh, Billy Sullivan, who's, uh, I know he's a deputy chief, and Billy's my good friend, and I love Billy very much, and he's going to be a great chief someday. Uh, you got the right people. I, I figure, who's the chief now? Is it, is it um, uh, Finn? Finn? Finn, yes, it's Finn. Which, which Finn is it? Not Dennis. Which Finn is it? He's a great guy. I can't remember his first name. There's like 100 of them. So it's like eight of us, it's like 11 of them. I can't remember his first name, but what a great guy. But you got the right people in charge of all of the municipalities in Malden right now. And that's what makes Malden great from a municipal standpoint, the structure, the infrastructure of the city. And, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, things are looking up in Malden. And, uh, you know, I just want to see balance. Again, and now, again, listen, please don't judge me for my middle-of-the-road political standpoint. I don't want to see any city, never mind my hometown, go too far one way or the other. You need balance. You got to have balance. And, and, and it's got to be for the benefit of the constituents of the city. And that's just my, again, that's my, my, my stand on, on politics. And I have no problem saying it because I got, as an entertainer, I've been all over the country. I do corporate stuff all over America. And, and I'm grateful that, and blessed that I have such a unique enough talent that people want to hire me for their, you know, corporate. I do Exxon Mobile in L.A. You know, I do Aflac in Indiana and, and, and every other state and UPS and you name it. You know, Georgia Pacific, the railroad. And, you know, I'm proud to be able to represent these companies when they hire me to come and do their national conventions. And I, I'm blessed to be able to do that. But, you know, but my, my, my politics... A middle of the road because it's really what I truly believe, but I'm also grateful that I do believe that because I know how hard of a time it is for people on the left to be able to contain themselves and people on the right. I have liberal fans and friends that I love dearly, and I have conservative fans and friends that I love dearly, and 
it's not that I'm afraid to offend anybody. I mean, I'm not. I mean, I grew up in a big family where I got my butt kicked my whole life and, you know, tossed around like a salad. And, you know, it's, you, you grow up and you grow up and you, you kind of develop a hardened shell. But at some point, there is a level of political correctness that you have to show, and it's called class. And you know how some people are. You know there's certain people that are going to become offended if you say certain things. So you just don't engage. You just... No one to keep your tongue and no one to discuss. Because politics in this town is, right now, as in, in, in America, is very vitriolic and very explosive. So, Speaking of shows, do you want to promote any upcoming shows? Yes. The first show I want to promote, July 31st at the Senior Center. I've been working with the uh, Middlesex Deputy Sheriff's Association uh, with uh, President Mike Giacopo. And um, uh, that's the charitable arm of the uh, sheriff's office, the, 50, the 501c3. And they brought me in to work with them. And I says, I would love to be part of that. One honor it would be to be part of your organization. And so we do things in Middlesex County for the disabled, for the veterans, for, uh, uh, you know, uh, the elderly, and anybody else that we can help, we'll step up and we'll help and we'll raise money for them. And so we're going to do a big fundraiser, uh, uh, excuse me, a big cookout on July 31st for the uh, seniors in Malden at the Senior Center. It's a Tuesday and it's at noontime, and I'm going to put on a performance and I'm donating my time for that to give back to my hometown. So. And then you have... The and show, then, and then don't you have shows up in the North, yes. the North Shore as well? September 9th at the end of a country club, uh, myself, along with the uh, Minnesota Deputy Sheriff's Association, we're going to be doing a fundraiser for the Gold Star Mothers. Now, the Gold Star Mothers, for those of you who don't know what that is, uh, those are uh, the mothers and wives of uh, soldiers that were lost in, in battle, in war. And they've, they've had to live on without their spouses and children and whatnot. And, and um, we're doing a fundraiser for them. And they, they really haven't been raising a whole lot of money lately. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to bring to light and uh, to the forefront uh, this organization again. Because it's such a noble organization. We cannot forget about our veterans. I can't say that. I stress that enough. I do a lot for the vets. And I'll tell you, Mayor Christensen's always there whenever we do things for the vets. And so I know he cares about the vets. And I know Sheriff Peter Katujian, who's awesome for the opioid epidemic, by the way. I want to make mention of that. And I'm proud of him uh, for, for, for doing that because he's making a, a big splash with that. And it's only going to get bigger with a guy like that, uh, you know, being the, uh, the, the, the political uh, powerhouse that he is as the sheriff. It's only going to, uh, you know, uh, get bigger. And, and, and less people are going to, perish as a, as a result of uh, drug use because more money is going to go into rehabilitation and education and helping these people uh, uh, rehabilitate themselves. And, and again, more needs to be done, but, you know, the, the, the steps have been taken to do that, and Sheriff Katuji has been, been uh, a catalyst in that, I will say that. Uh, but he's right there for the veterans also. And uh, so we're going to be doing this, and hopefully you guys, the seniors will come out on July 31st uh, to the senior center. And this breakfast that we're doing for the Gold Star Mothers is $30 a person, and it's at the end of a country club, and um, it's uh, to honor the Gold Star Mothers. And if you want to get tickets, you can call uh, 781-993-9250, 781-993-9250. 
9250 for tickets. And I'm going to put on a great performance for you guys, and, and they're going to put on a great breakfast for you. So it's from 9 to noon, Sunday, September 9th, at the end of a country club. And Joey has done a show. Oh, Joey has done a show for myself, and he's done a show as I win as for the... For the a, for the veterans with former counselor David D'Angelo. That's right. That's right. Back, that was a great day. October, Dave D'Angelo yeah. is a wonderful guy. What a sweetheart. He's he's uh David is one of the best guys I've ever met. I mean, when you meet him, he looks you right in the eyes and he says, you know, he's he shakes your hand and he, he's just a wonderful guy. And he's he's done what everything that he could uh, for the constituents of Malden and and you know politics is a, is a tough game. I got to tell you, you know, because it's. Who gets to the people first and who gets to the people and, and, and which message resonates? And so politics, there's a lot of good people that run for, for political positions, but f- voters can be very uh, fickle. People want to be asked for their vote. As well as the candidates will say, well, how am I gonna, not going to be doing the city? Well, let me tell you something. You better start running. Buy a brand new pair of running shoes because you better knock on every single door that you can if you're running at large or if you're running in your ward. People want to be asked for their vote and not just on television. They want you to knock on the door. They want you to say hello and look you in the eye because I'm going to tell you something. It's the difference between watching a Joey Voices promo video and seeing a Joey Voices performance live. See, there's a dynamic that you're missing when you're just watching the video as opposed to when you're watching the show live. You're feeling the spirit that I'm putting out there and that's being given back by the audience. You're feeling that. It's like going to a concert or watching a concert on television. The big difference, because there's a different spirit there, right? So politics is much the same type of game. People want you to knock on people want you to knock on their door. That's the bottom line. That's the best advice I can give. Anybody running for any political office, just put your running shoes on. And start knocking. It's good for your health. It's good for your heart. If you got a little bit of a belly, it's going to trim you down. It's you know, it's it's good for you, yeah. <laughs> and you might win. <laughs> I, know, I, I should know, but that was a perfect segue about speaking live because we have less than twenty minutes good. left, and I and I know you have a treat. Okay. For the people who were fortunate enough to watch this live on TV. <laughs> well, I'm never accused of being shy, you know. So. But uh, I love performing. And I'm going to tell you something. I want to talk about my book before we do this. Because my book is coming out, and we talked about this. It's coming out. I told you it's called Good Things Are Supposed to Happen to You. Please write that down if you have a pen. Because it's a great title. It's a great message. And when it comes out, I'm going to be starting a speaking tour. And I'm going to be going out. I'm going to take the principles in my book. and I'm going to break them down into a curriculum. And I'm going to go out. And we're going to do workshops. And we're going to teach it. So that people can hands-on feel it and be there, and they're going to learn from it, and they're going to walk away at least changed a little bit on their platform, on their their base, and they're going to it's going to help them to uh, move forward towards a different and better life. It's like looking at an object from a, a different angle after looking at it from, from from one angle for so long. You look at it from a different perspective, and you say, "Geez, I never saw it like that before." Well, my book is going to be that kind of a teaching tool for folks. So I want you guys to remember that good things are supposed to happen to you. Thank you very much for for listening to that message there. And um, what I'm going to do is become an edutainer. You never heard that term before. No, no, I Ah, I haven't. I went and saw Jack Canfield for my birthday over in Boston. And uh, my girlfriend bought me, my fiance Colleen bought me tickets. And so I went there, and the, the one thing I took out of there was the first thing I heard him say within the first 15 minutes. 
He was there all day. And the, and the most memorable thing I walked out of there with was the first thing he said within the first 15 minutes. He says, I'm an edutainer. And I went, edutainer? I can corner that market. <laughs> so I I, uh, I walked out of there and I left at noontime because most of the things that I had heard him say during his uh, seminar, I had already seen on, on all the th hundreds of videos that I had watched of him that I could find on the internet over the last three years. So I says, okay, this, the best thing I learned here was what I'm taking out of here, edutainer. So I'm going to go home, I'm going to write my, I'm going to, I'm going to get my book published, we're going to go out, and I'm going to be uh, uh, an author, speaker, and I'm going to be a, a, a speaker that entertains instead of an entertainer with a message. And so, that's what I'm going to try to do, and I'm, I'm going to I'm, actually I'm going to do it, and and I don't know if there's anybody in the country that's doing it, but I'm certainly going to do my best. So, <laughs> Joey Voice is the the edutainer. Nice. So, one question I had for you: What was the biggest stage you've performed at, and what was the smallest stage? Right, the biggest stage, and this is wonderful. What a great question! Biggest stage ever performed on was right here in Malden. Back in 2004, when I opened for Al Martino, and you know who was the one that called me, and I saw him at uh, uh, Jack Pinkham's wake. God rest Jack Pinkham's soul. My friend Gene Pinkham's dad. Uh, 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 Steve Altrino, the state representative. So I saw him. We were walking out of the wake together, and I shook his hand. I said, Steve, and I says. Uh, I want to thank you for what you did for me back in 2004. I don't want you to think that I forgot. I says, uh, you called me on the phone when I was on the radio on, on uh, uh, 1430 with Bill Whiteman, the music of your life, old-time radio. And he says, Joey, we want to hire you to open for Al Martino. And I says, okay, beautiful. And I'm not going to tell you what they paid me, but they, they paid me. And I, and I thanked them for it. I says, that's where I got my start, Stephen. And you were the one that called me. And Ron Cox was the one that called me and had me come in and perform. And if it wasn't for everybody in Malden that had me coming on to their shows here and, and performing at their events, Malden was my springboard. And Steve Altrino was the one that had me uh, open for Al Martino. It was 10,000 people that came from all over New England, from New York, Connecticut. Vermont, New Hampshire, everywhere to see Al Martino's concert. And I opened for him for, I think I did, I was supposed to do 20 minutes, I ended up doing an hour. And Al Martino came early to see me perform. And he said to my dad's friend, uh, uh, Dickie Zampatello, who used to own Glorious Foods in the square. And he was standing next to Dick and he turned to Dick and he says, geez, what a talent. He says, this kid sounds like everybody. He says, wow, this kid's amazing. And so Dickie Zampatello called my father on the phone and he says, hey, Tom, he says, you're never going to believe this. And he told me what El Martino said. And when I got home, my dad told me the story. And the best part of this whole story was the look on my father's face when he told me what Dick Zampatella told him. And his face was beaming with pride. And I'll never forget that moment as long as I live. It was the, it was the uh, hallmark moment of uh, my relationship and, and love with my father. And my father was the best guy I ever knew. But that moment in my career, I knew I had... My father said, you're doing it, son. And he says, you're doing it, and I'm proud of you. And it was just a wonderful moment. And, uh, but, you know, that was the biggest stage. The second best event I ever did was for uh, the American National Convention for the American Legion in Indianapolis, Indiana. And it was like 3,000 people there. And I'm going to tell you this story. It's a wonderful story. I got there, and they had me seated at the head table. 
And when I looked at the head table, I saw these four, three, four-star generals sitting at the head table, and I had never served in the, in the uh, armed services. Not that I wouldn't have. I just, it just didn't happen. I just didn't do it. And I said to the client that hired me, I said, sir, I'm not worthy to sit at that head table with these honored, you know, men of valor. I says, please seat me at a table on the floor with the rest of the folks. I said, and I'll be grateful. He said, Joey, you're our dignitary tonight. You're our keynote speaker, our dignitary in this room tonight. He goes, you have to sit at the head table. They're all here. They know who you are. Everybody in the room knows that you are here to speak and perform. I said, okay, okay, I understand. I says, okay, fine, I, thank you. And, and I, you know, I, not reluctantly, but I, I uh, happily went up and, and sat at the table. And he sat me next to this guy who was a four-star general. This guy had, you couldn't even see what color his jacket was. He had so many medals and, and decorations. And he turned to me and started talking to me like a regular guy. And I'm sitting here and I'm picturing, you know, all of the battles this guy must have been in in Vietnam and in Korea and you know all the all the the people that he fought next to the, he had to defend by fighting off the enemy and all of the uh, horror that he's seen and he's sitting there talking to me like nothing like it's and I'm saying this is a real man right here and who am I I'm just but you know it's it's a humbling experience and that was the greatest performance of my career. That performance, I'll never forget it. And I was going to wear my my uh, red, white, and blue Stars and Stripes uh, leather bomber jacket, World War II bomber jacket. And, and they said they don't want the, the agency which hired me was uh, Spotlight Speakers and Entertainment out of Indianapolis. And they said, Joey, they don't want you to wear the jacket. And I says, okay. I go, okay. I says, well, can I ask why? And they said, well, they don't, there's an etiquette that you're not supposed to wear the flag as clothing. I had never heard that before. And I says, that's fine. I have no problem. And I went there and I wore what I'm wearing now. And I got up and I performed. And I got a standing ovation, which I was grateful for. And, and I, I gave a little bit of a speech. And I did my Colonel Frank Slade, U.S. Army retired, uh, Al Pacino bit. I did that. They got a standing ovation for that one, too. So they loved it. It was great. And, uh, but that's, those are moments in your career that you never forget. And, um, you know, a, 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 just a kid from Malden who, you know, got into a lot of fights growing up and, you know, played sports and was just a regular kid. And, you know, for God to take a guy like me and, and with, with, with just a talent that I had as a hyperactive kid for mimicking the radio and, and taking me nationally all over the country to perform, uh, you know, it's a very humbling thing. And I'm grateful that uh, God has done that. And it's not over yet. The best is still yet to come. I mean, it's, it's a beautiful thing. My mind's always working. My mind's always coming up with things that, you know, I have that kind of a mind. And, and uh, you know, who would have ever thought that a C student from Malden High would start studying quantum physics at the age of 40? I mean, so 43. <laughs> but, you know, strange things have happened. And uh, I suppose when you're introduced to a topic, you fall in love with it, you're going to become obsessed with it. And so that's what I did, like I maybe, did with theology. Maybe so. a future book, Stranger Things Have Happened. Hey, that's a good title. Yeah. I like that, Jerry. We'll yeah. have some royalties off of that. That's right, yeah. Well, we have less than 10 minutes left okay. if you want to do an impression or two. All right, I'm going to do an impression for you. All okay. Right? I'm going to do Al Green, Motown. 
Al Green. You ready? Yeah. All right, here we go. Al Green. Let's just here we go. I'm so in love with you. Whatever you want to do is all right with me. Cause you make me feel so brand new. Al Green, everybody. Al Green, the hey. Reverend Al Green. <laughs> How about uh, Robert De Niro? Hey, Robert De Niro? Okay, yeah. I right, so Robert De Niro buying ice cream from an ice cream truck. Okay, here we go. Here we go. How you doing, Jerry? It's good to see you. How you doing? Huh? What are we live? What are we live with launching Leone? Huh? What's the name of this show? Huh? Laughing with Leone? Launching Leone? What are we going? Huh? With the 148? Huh? Nah, yo. You got a gift, Leone. Well, bet. Uh, I'm going to buy some ice cream from uh, Louie the Ice Cream Man. You ready? Here we go. Hey, uh, Louie. Louie. I want my ice cream, Louie. I want my ice cream. You better have my ice cream next week, Louie. I'm going to break your legs. I'm going to break your legs, Louie. I'll break your legs. I will put them back together. I will break them again. A little bit. You're always trying to sell me the Italian ice. Huh? You know, I like the Italian ice, Jerry. You know about the Italian oh, ice, yeah. right? Huh? You cook the, you make the Italian ice at home, right? Huh? A little bit, right? But you know what I really like? Huh? I like the frozen toe. You know why? Huh? I like the frozen toe. I like the cannonball. Remember the cannonball? Huh? A little orange thing with the thing. Huh? You know why I like them? You got the little bitty uh, little gumballs. A little bitty gumballs at the bottom. A little bit. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Robert De Niro, Robert De Niro. Do you ever didn't have an audience in there? Plus, you get an audience of plus, you can add in here. <laughs> yeah, I guess I, I, I guess I'm considered the smallest audience. It's all good, man. It's TV. all good. Yeah. It's all good. It's all good. You know. Well, we have a couple minutes left before I, I close us out. Uh, any last impressions or any last thing you want to say? You like Ronnie Dangerfield. Oh, I love Ronnie Dangerfield. Ronnie Dangerfield. That, that's my favorite impression when you do that. Hey, I tell you, I got no respect at all. I tell you, yeah. I tell you, my wife and I, we were happy for 20 years. Yeah. Then we met. It ain't easy. <laughs> Roddy Dage, I love Roddy. <laughs> Roddy's beautiful. He's like, hey, I tell you, whoa, I tell you, yeah. I tell you, yeah. I tell you, I got no respect. I tell you, I'm not a sexy guy. Yeah. Growing up, I had no luck with the girls. I tell you, no luck at all. Uh, one time I got a phone call from a girl. She said, come on over, there's nobody home. So I went over. There was nobody home. I tell you, it ain't easy. <laughs> <laughs> Jerry, you're beautiful. That's one of your favorite. Oh, I love Rodney. Rodney's my favorite. People say, what's your favorite impression to do? I always say Michael McDonald from the Doobie Brothers. Yeah. And I love doing Michael McDonald, but Rodney's, I always, I'm doing Rodney all the time. It's just, it's just a beautiful, funny impression. And his disposition was just off the charts. He was the best. But Michael McDonald from the Doobie Brothers, if you like Michael McDonald from the Doobie Brothers, is like, You don't know me, but I'm your brother. I was raised in this living hell. Didn't he write a song for his grandfather? Yeah, he did yeah. write a song for his grandfather. It goes, his, fa his grandfather's father. His father's father, Michael McDonald's um, father's dad, uh, Michael McDonald's grandfather, he wrote a song for him on his 80th birthday, and it goes something like this. 
No, they never get old. It's all, it's a lot of fun. If you come out to my show, you guys, you're gonna hear between forty and fifty different celebrity voices. I'm always adding a few different ones each time, so which is a lot of fun. And you can always come out and sing along to Neil Diamond, and you know now I got Donald Trump. Donald Trump. People throw tomatoes at me when I do Donald Trump, yeah, but I don't hat. do it politically. I just do Donald Trump and say, you know, I come out and I go. Believe me. Believe me, let me tell you, okay? Believe me. Believe me, China has been ripping us off forever, okay? Believe me. Believe me. Let me tell you about China, okay? China, Chinese billionaires. Let me tell What do you call a Chinese billionaire? Cha-ching, okay? Can you believe it? Believe me. Let me tell you, okay? 100%, okay? Jerry Leone, 02148, okay? Thank you. Good belief. God bless you. God bless America, okay? Thank you. Hey, if you can't laugh at yourself and laugh at life, what can you laugh at, right? It's like, you know. Well, that was... You can't be so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good, honestly. Because we are too hypersensitive when it comes to, you know, what people are going to think if we say something that, that could possibly offend someone. Even if it's not offensive. Even if it's nothing that's vulgar or anything. We're too hypersensitive. People need to just chillax. And calm down. It's comedy. It's life. It's, you know, life's not that serious. I think that's the problem with everybody being so hypersensitive and why we're so divided in this country. Just relax and just live and let live and don't take things so personal in life. It's not that serious. Listen, if you live a life that you got to, if you take life too serious all you're creating is a life that you have to take serious right yeah there's got to be balance all right joey jerry thank, thank you very you. much thank you i want to wish god bless, you, brother. god bless thank your mother you. happy thank birthday you. to your mother happy birthday to your mother thank too. you thank you they're both 80 yeah yeah they're both 80, 80 yeah <laughs> just want to say happy fourth of july and happy safe fourth of july to everyone in malden and across the country thank you thank you see everybody in july Jerry, great job. Yeah. Great job. I love the, I love the uh, form. I was going to do Al Pacino, but I didn't get the chance.